Good afternoon. My name is Jenny Altas and I am a counselor and life coach and member of the ACA. In my work, I love exploring new ideas and resources and hearing about my colleagues who are doing an excellent job extending themselves beyond their work in the community. Today I have the distinct pleasure of inviting Mrs. Hadassah Naparstik, who was a very highly accomplished woman and is an example to the Melbourne community in regards to being a mindset mentor and doula, as well as bringing light in Torah and helping many in the community who are needing guidance and love. Dasi, welcome. Hi. Your specialties are in helping women who are pre and postnatal and middle-aged and all in between. Can you tell me about your background in Australia and specifically how you came to become a mindset mentor and doula? Gee, that's going back a long way, but I'll do my best. I came to Australia when I was five, so I didn't have English as a first language, it was Hebrew. And I also had my father being my principal. So to cut a very long story short, I grew up without confidence. Um, I definitely experienced trauma from the age of five. Looking back, we've got a word for it, trauma. We didn't know what it was called then, nor did I even uh, was I even conscious of it. But I did grow up quite a shy and inhibited young lady and had, again, we have a name for it. I had um, social, whatever you call it, social anxiety um, growing up. And then as I left school and got married, which is a whole other story to the most wonderful man who supported me and really uh, encouraged me to become the person that I am today, I very much was always working on myself from day one. I think till the day I die, it's going to be the thing I do. I'm always exploring, discovering, delving. And I did the same thing with my own um, children's births and fell in love with the birth process and the mindset around birthing. So I understood my own, I overcame my own challenges and my, my passion, if you will, or the thing that I'm really excited about is women in general and supporting them. And I absolutely love working with women around, because I worked on my own stuff, particularly around confidence. That's like one of my biggest pet subjects. And within confidence, there's the whole topic of boundaries, which I really, really enjoy. So this transitions to being a doula as well, because I just by default fell into it because I was asked to attend someone's birth and again, fell in love with being that support person there for them and continue to do it as a profession. So um, I don't know if that answers your question entirely and there's a lot to talk about, but I really love empowering women. I love the power of women and to be a observer and support person. Wow. And thank you for sharing that. And it sounds like your early life really had a big impact on what you're doing to give other people the best chance at feeling confident as a woman and being able to present themselves in the best way and to make an impact. That's amazing. And that you took something that may have been a negative and turned that into one of the biggest, most powering positives, you know, putting yourself out there and helping other people in a similar situation. So interesting, you mentioned your husband and how much he encouraged you. How did you end up with an Israeli husband in Australia? So any of my classmates back at school would have a good laugh. I always said I would marry an Israeli and live in Israel. That part didn't happen, but I certainly married the Israeli. Um, how did it happen? It, I felt like a pawn on a chessboard. I went to Israel alone, 
definitely told everyone was not going to date and all the pieces I was put in a certain place at a certain time and looking back it was literally God protecting and watching over me to meet the best Israeli that anyone will ever 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 know um, he's uh, uh, and that's how I met him even though I said I was not going to date so when God has a plan he makes sure you're in the, at the right place at the right time in the right place at the right time and um that's it in a nutshell and he came here to you know to be with me and so we have stayed and, and have beautiful i know dasi that you studied in australia as the lubavitcher rebbe suggested that path for you can you clarify how that happened yes yeah, so earlier before um i got married i finished school and went on a trip um a promise trip from my parents so with my mother my brother got engaged while we were in Israel and the wedding was going to be three or so months after. So we thought rather than come back to Australia, I would study in Israel. So we asked the Rebbe in those days, we used to write letters to the Rebbe. And, uh, and so I did. We wrote a letter giving the options of staying and learning. I think it was called Machon Hanaden in Yerushalayim and all coming back to do university um, college of teaching. A diploma of teaching at the time and we gave those options that, that that would be the course I would take and the Rebbe underlined very clearly come back to Australia to study so I came back to Australia I studied at the time there was a gap of no leadership in the Benos in the Chabad youth um, sector so I became the youth leader for that year until we had more people we started to bring in girls from America to lead the groups etc so that was how I ended up not doing seminary like so many of the other girls, but coming back and studying and teaching. Wow, the Rebbe definitely put you on a life path there. And in that case, you said you studied teaching and you fell into, um, you know, the mindset of being a mindset mentor. Can you tell me, Dasi, in your experience, what is the most challenging issue facing couples or families today? And I know that Australia is far away from the rest of the world, but we're all in this together. So... I would imagine it extends out. So that's a, a terrific question that I don't feel fully qualified, obviously, because um, the study of relationships is huge and I only have my small experience. So from my perspective, and again, I, I, uh, I'm careful about this because there's so much to say. The challenges are that we live, I think some of them, are that we live in a society that is very much the I society and we're into instant gratification we don't know today and I include myself in here because this is not about a blame or or um you know I'm not pointing finger I'm saying we're all in this society together we want things to be easy so I think a lot of the time not denying that there are real issues for certain couples but I think if we were to learn how to accept um responsibility for our own selves rather than always pointing the finger at someone else that if he or she would do this then I could be happy if she he or she wouldn't do that then I could be happy I think understanding and taking responsibility is one of the huge um, issues that we're not doing and we want to be made happy easily fast and um, and focus on what the other person has to do rather than what we have to do and, and I didn't clarify, but mindset mentoring and why I use that title rather than calling myself some other sort of therapist is because 
you know, the way we think largely dictates the outcomes that we receive in this world, excluding, of course, the, the designs that God has for us or the mazal, the, the luck that, that is out there. A lot of it is down to the way we think. That's how we get the results in our lives. So I'm a great believer in if it's not working for you, then have a look at the way you think and change it. Because if you can change that, you will change the outcome. Sure. It's, it's interesting you say that because I learned a beautiful concept that the Magad of Ms. Rich actually says that you can elicit from a response from Hashem through your attitude. It's not that Hashem does something and then you have an attitude, a response to that, but the other way around. You can elicit a different response by smiling up to Hashem and showing gratitude and love and besimcha. So this kind of goes in with what you're saying. Absolutely goes in with what I'm saying. Yeah, and not waiting for other people, but making the own self, working on ourselves and getting to that place. So Dasi, we know Torah is super relevant for all Jewish couples. And most couples are aware that there is help out there when struggles arrive. Do you find they begin the journey themselves? How does it come to be that you can help them through being a mindset mentor? So um, good question. I think that when people are ready, that's when they come. There is, you know, in the beginning of this journey and, and when I did the coaching degree at the Coaching Institute, I was gung-ho with sharing. And I'm someone in general that loves to share. If I find something that excites me, then in the past, I used to want everyone to know about this thing. And then I realized that it's my journey, my challenges, my way, my, my new discoveries are for me not necessarily other people ready for them. And then I started to learn, oh, as I told you, boundaries are one of my pet issues because I needed to learn them myself. So it wasn't about me sharing anything for anybody else unless they came and asked for it. And that's the same with seeking help. People come when they're ready and nobody can force that upon them. And especially inside a marriage, if you're talking about relationships, it's looking at yourself and what you want to learn, how you want to grow, not pointing the finger to your partner and saying, he needs to grow, he needs to learn. You know, so often, um, particularly uh, at mid-age, which is an area that I am interested as well in, um, a lot of people, some one of the partners will grow in spirituality, in their emotional development. They might grow a lot and the other person wasn't ready for it and hasn't. And very often that can be a problem in a marriage where the one who's grown looks down upon the one who hasn't and says, well, they really need to learn how to blah, blah, blah. Whereas really it's about focusing on this is your journey. This is where you're at. He or she does not necessarily to be where you're at, respect where they're at and give them the space to find it themselves. Not sure that answered your question. That's, That's a very, fine. very good answer. And it's a beautiful thing to implement, although easier said than done. Because when we all find something exciting and we're passionate about it, like you said, we wanna share it with those nearest and dearest, but not everyone's ready. And I absolutely agree and take that on board. Um, waiting for other people to come to us rather than sharing it with the world if they're not ready. On the other hand, I do feel that people do need to seek out motivated and passionate people who want to make this world a better place. We do need to have a fine balance of letting people know that we have these tools if they need it. So not keeping it to ourselves, but Absolutely. And leaving it there for when they're ready to pick up the toolbox. Yes, and understanding at the same time that whatever we're excited about is because it resonates with us because yes. of our path and our journey. So like I said to you, confidence was my thing 
because I lacked it and still lack it. I still work on that every day. Am I, am I significantly different from what I was as a young lady? Yes, absolutely, yes. But I've still got a long way to go. So for me, it resonates and is relevant. And yes, I can share that on certain platforms, being mindful that I don't have all the answers. I'm still exploring it myself. And when you have that, I think that openness and that humility, I think it's very important. So that you're Beautiful. Not imposing. Beautiful. So true. What are your core beliefs regarding relationships and marriage, if I may ask? Because if we're here, we want to hear. So we're tuning into this podcast because it's all about relationships, marriage, women's confidence. So here would be your opportunity to share those beliefs that you have and that you are passionate about. And I think people who are listening in, we're looking for that. So that's beautiful. Go ahead. So I love the word beliefs, core beliefs. I have some today, but beliefs are, and, and I just want to preface my answer with what are beliefs. Beliefs are, you know, it, it's a culmination of all your experiences, all your thoughts, all the things that you've seen, read, believing beliefs, right? And they serve you or they don't serve you. And if they don't serve you, well, get some new ones. Easier said than done, whole other podcast. But in answer to your question, what are my core beliefs about? relationships and marriage one of them is that it's a partnership and as long as you're heading in the same direction you have the same destination then it's okay to take different routes and we've all heard the the analogy or the the mashal of of being in this you know a different boat you're allowed to take a different boat at times to your partner and respecting that his might choose a very rocky road, a, a rocky path in the ocean and you like calm, still waters. He might like dark skies and you might like the sunshine. It's okay to be that way. As long as you're meeting on a regular basis at the ports, as long as you're heading in the same direction, then respecting um, each other's paths is really important. That's one of my beliefs. And for example, okay, if you're married to someone and you haven't checked beforehand, but then you discover one of you want children and the other don't want children, you're not heading to the same destination at all. And there would be massive issues in that relationship. So the other is understanding that you are different and that your paths are going to be different. Your needs are going to be, everyone has the same needs, but within those needs, you're going to have differences, things that drive you that are different. So for example, um, the lady might have, and I'm just picking you know, a, a random example here, the lady might really love uncertainty and adventure and fun and, and she might really be driven by that and the husband or the, the partner might actually like comfort and certainty and safety and so as long as they respect each other and he doesn't hold her back from having her adventures and she doesn't push him too far and too often, then they've got something good going for them. But if they do do those things, push too hard too often, and he doesn't allow her space to fulfill her needs, then they can be in trouble. So thinking about the other one and their needs is really, really important in relationship. Um, so that's just a small taste of my- Can I actually just ask you on that point? It's interesting because usually we attract what's opposite. So you find in the partner what you like about them, which you lack, and they find in you what they lack. And together it's a beautiful partnership. I mean, the whole must be a macabre thing and just impractical, you know, he may be looking for that excitement in that example. And she may be looking for the calm sea. And I love your boating- Marshall, beautiful. Um, 
So it's a lifetime of Oda because you need to work on what you're lacking. But doing it in Offenham Iskabel, I think, is the key. That's beautiful. So uh, Offenham Iskabel meaning that you accept and also appreciate. So it's valuing those things that are different. Now, in the beginning of a marriage, very often you're excited about those differences. You're you're attracted to those differences. And along the way, going back to what you asked me before, the issues, I think that there comes a point, particularly in this I generation, where we start to get irritated by those very things that we were attracted by. And it's that point where you, where the other day is, where the real work is in understanding and appreciating and valuing. And there's a lot to that, but understanding that you give space for the person to be, you're not trying to mold them to yourself because you don't really want them to be like you. Yeah. So appreciating that they are different and appreciating the differences all the way through your marriage is really important. Excellent. Beautiful. So in that case, talking about aligned values, what do you suggest? for young women before they go into marriage, what is something you can tell them based on your very interesting analogy that you have to be on the same course, but maybe in different boats? What should they be looking at when they're meeting their prospective match? Right, and, and it's really interesting that question because if I look to when I got married many years ago, it's a very different generation and the challenges that we had then are different to the challenges that the girls have today. More knowledge is wonderful, but it's not always a good thing. So the thing I think that I would tell women dating a few things, number one is learn how to be in tune with your intuition. I think a woman's intuition is a gift, the God-given gift. And very often we're disconnected from it, especially in the fast pace and in the media world that we're living in. So learning to listen and tuning in. And very often people do not know how to do that, right? So it is learning how to do that. If, if you're getting that funny feeling, don't ignore it. There's either for the good or for the bad, that funny feeling is there to tell you something, listen to it. So that's really important. And also to pay attention to how you feel. So being in tune with your emotions, pay attention, A, to any warning bells that come up or the opposite. How are you feeling? Am I being myself with this guy after a certain amount of dates? You would want to feel safe. You would want to feel you can be who you are. You're not pretending to be somebody else. So that's very important. And I think bringing consciousness, again, to still the external noise is so important. So the external noise, I mean, yes, definitely social media, but also your friends. So there's this modern phenomena and i think i'll take the opportunity if you don't mind to mention it where friends talk about their dates and the guys or the girls that they dated and one friend might say to the other oh i dated him he is blah or or the girls might do the same thing or the, the guys might do the same i dated her and she's too quiet something like that could happen mm -hmm. And I think that's really, really dangerous. And I, and that's what I mean by get rid of the external noise. You could hear it, but don't take it on board because what's right for one is not right for the other. It's got to be- 100%. Unfortunately, many good ideas have not been able to be um, fulfilled because of friends' comments. Right. I know from being dabbling in Shaduchim, you know, Baruch Hashem, we have, thank God, a number of very successful you know, Shaduchim, and then some because a friend said something and they took that on board. And then later on, they're sorry because their friend had totally different needs than them. And that comes back to confidence because if you're yeah. someone who works on your confidence, you're able to, you know, still that external noise of people's opinions impacting you so, so yeah. hard. And that's not an easy thing to do. Very and better hard. to have a dating coach or someone professional sit from afar and understand 
than a friend of yours who, yeah, they may know you as a friend, but they don't really know necessarily your deeper and innermost uh, feelings and, you know, motivations and meanings and uh, what works for one doesn't necessarily work for the other and vice versa. So can I ask you, Dasi, what you're saying is so powerful that husband and wife can have totally different um, aspirations as far as what they're good at and how they see the world. But as long as their values are similar, they'll get to the destination. It's just in a different way. Like you say, one with the rocky waters, one with the still waters and blending that and finding the beauty in that journey, you know, and say, and opening our mind that it's different to what we may have expected, but better in many cases than we may have expected. And that's if you open your mind and say, let me enjoy the journey. It may not be what I thought. I might be in a different country or I might be, you know, in a different city than I imagined. Or like you said, you knew you were marrying an Israeli, but a lot of people, you know, have very specific guidelines. And then later on, they realize, actually, no, that's not what's serving them well. Can you give a personal example of how your techniques with Mindset Mentor helped you personally or in your practice? Yes. Um, so much. <laughs> They've mm -hmm. helped me so much. I can't pass anything over to other people unless I experience it myself, unless I work on it myself, unless I've gone through something relevant. And you know what they say about therapists, right? That they all need it themselves. I think that people um, in this field, whether it's in the coaching industry, whether it's in psychology, it's because we're attracted to it because of our own journey. So for me, I'll give you a couple of the things, but learning to question assumptions. Okay, we assume so much. How many people I've coached or friends or along the way, people assume that they know what the other person is thinking about them. So, for example, in a marriage, you know, um, you might see the husband uh, not doing something, doing something and you say, oh, he doesn't value me. Oh, he doesn't value my time or oh, he thinks I'm stupid or something like that. We make assumptions all the time. So I think for me, learning to question my own assumptions, whether it's in marriage or with friends or the stranger on the street that doesn't say hello to you, instead of saying, oh, they don't like me or they're, in a, they're not very nice or whatever it is that you might um, intuit instinctively, not intuitively, instinctively say, Question, how do you know? Um, yeah, you know, where's the evidence? That's the question. Where's the evidence? How do you know? You don't yeah. have to question yourself. And and always. So that's something that has given me a lot of value in my life. And it took a lot of practice to do that, to come out. Yeah. Like I said, I was in a, a childhood and a youth where I was very insecure. And I learned to question my own thoughts because, again, thoughts and beliefs aren't truths. They're my truth, but they aren't the truth. And learning that there are other truths out there and accessing ones that actually work for me rather than against me. So that was one. And that comes to just Can I stop you for a second? The yeah. Don Lacoste, I think I probably say that 10 times a day um, to many people. Because in the first instance, people are very much black and white thinkers. It's either this or that. They never give necessarily, unless they work on themselves, the thought that maybe this person had no intention of hurting you or is going through something or they themselves can't cope with their issues. If you think positively, at least 50% of the time you're gonna be right. And so many difficult emotions will be stilled. And if you're wrong, you know, you judge the person in a favorable way so that when they and you have the conversation, you're coming from a place of understanding and love rather than judgment, which just facilitates more anger 
It's like if I throw you a hot balloon, you could drop it or you could throw it back to me. And then we continue playing this game. How many people have stopped talking to friends because they thought that they said or they heard something when it wasn't true and they never fact-checked? It was their own imagination. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And this leads to the whole thing about judgment. So it really is about accepting responsibility for your own thoughts. If, if those thoughts are leading you to experience negativity in your life, or experience hurt in your life or anger, which is one of the biggest destructive emotions, that is not a bad emotion, it's just mishandled so often of the time. But if we learn to have done the chatzputz, which is judge your neighbor favorably, then you are the one that has that beautiful results of feeling love, feeling forgiveness, which is huge topic forgiveness. I love the topic of forgiveness. Yeah. It's not an easy one, but it's a beautiful one and so rewarding. So yes, everything you said plus more. So Darcy, I'm loving the fact that you you know, you're so comfortable to share your experiences and that you said, you know, you've had to have been able to experience something to be able to relate to another person. You always hear these stories of great tzaddikim and rabbeim who had to dress themselves emotionally or spiritually in the other person's clothing to feel their pain to be able to help them. I think that's what we're really saying. And they knew that hundreds of years ago before modern psychology, you know, putting yourself in the person's place, empathy, you know. So do you think... Torah theories can work together with popular um, psychological modules or counseling modules, and how? Great question. Um, well, my personal belief is that all the answers are in the Torah. The Torah is a guidebook to how to live our lives. It's an instruction manual, and the more you delve in it, the more instructions you understand and can take away from it. So, I mean, on everything that I learned, whether it was through the personal development books on my shelves or through the coaching um, or any of the workshops that I've done over the many, many years, every time I was there, I'd sit and go, oh, we learned about that in Chassidus, or we learned about that in Torah. I mean, everything I've learned from, you know, love your uh, love your. Uh, you, and, and by the way, I think a lot of the answers are in that sentence. What, is what does it mean to love yourself? Is that doesn't mean you have yeah. to be selfish? Right, exactly. So it's, you know, and in the Torah as well, we have every sort of um, issues. King Shaul was depressed and he had paranoia. He had mental health issues. We didn't call it mental health at the time, but he did. And yet he was a great Sadiq. This is expanded on in the in the Mephoshim and in Chassidut, Trach Gud Vazangut. I mean, all the personal development books, so many of them can boil down to those very few Yeah, words. the law of attraction, which is exactly thinking positive. Right? Yeah, yeah. So all the answers are there. If we haven't found them, it's not because they're not there. It's simply Absolutely. we haven't studied them well enough or spent enough time connecting. What's that well-known song, Ben Bag Bagomera? You know, everything's in the Torah. We just have to open it. So can I ask you, Dasi, I understand that you may be the last person that somebody may access either before they lose or gain a connection with a mental health awareness or connection with someone who actually cares and listens can you expand on that? Do you feel that people are feeling isolated in the community and they don't really understand, feel understood or, or find that they can have a place where they can feel safe to share what they're going through? So you've actually, I think, asked me two questions in one and I'll do my best to answer. Yes, you can split them. Yes. <laughs> 
Um, whether I'm the last person, I think that today it's a little bit different from the past. I think today there's so much more awareness that, you know, there are people out there and having a therapist, having a coach, having a mindset mentor is absolutely a positive thing. And people are, once upon a time, there was shame attached to it. Today, there's not. It's fine. You know, to go see somebody, it's just a third person that has perspective. I always say it's like somebody who has a helicopter view of your own self. When you're in it, you don't see it. So I don't know that I'm the last person anymore. I think that we're so much more comfortable with reaching out. And um, I, the, the women, and mainly women, I have seen some men as well, the women that I've seen seem so comfortable. And actually, I'm the one that keeps their confidences, but they're very happy to talk about their experiences. Mm -hmm. That's my so maybe that, that sounds like it's a very progressive community because I would say that in Australia that is the case, but I'm not so sure around the world people are fully ready to disclose their, their issues with trust and safety and confidence, as you say. Um, but what I mean is that as a from woman, you might be, you know, the last place a person accesses before they actually get onto that journey, if you know what I'm trying to say. You know, and I think it's really important that this is out there, that there's so much support available and that it's not shameful. Yes, or that you use the perfect word, shame. And there's um, uh, one of the things I learned, shame lives in the shadows. So for as long as we are feeling shame and we hide it, it grows and it gets bigger and darker and it can take over us. But the minute you share it, whether it be with a very close friend you trust or someone that's a mindset mentor or coach, then suddenly it shrinks, it comes out in the open, it's no longer so big. So I would encourage anyone that is feeling their stuff is getting too big not to wait, to come much, much sooner because all it is is everybody, we believe in the coaching world, and I think you would agree with me, that everybody is whole and complete just the way they are, meaning you have all the answers within you, but you may not be able to see them because of the clutter and because of the shame and the self-blame. And when somebody helps you become conscious of your thoughts and consciousness is what it's all about, you cannot change what you do not know. So if you start to know your own thoughts and become awakened to them, mm -hmm. then you have choice. Choice only exists in the, you know, in the light. You don't yeah. have a choice if you're stuck, but the yeah. mind helps you see what are you thinking? What's mm -hmm. going on? And the shame mm -hmm. just shrink a little bit and give you space to see, then you have choice to choose something that works better for Beautiful. you. So I'm just going to ask you, you've given us some advice for girls going out, you know, meeting people for the first time or guys as well, you know, what to look for, how to make sure that they know themselves, who they are. Um, do you think the idea of marriage, pre-marriage classes is still relevant today? Do you think people would come? I don't know if people would come. I think they very well could come. Um, I don't see why not, to put it that way. And I think it's always valuable, pre-marriage classes, but it not necessarily um, in a way that the girls or the boys would think it is. I think it's amazing to learn about oneself, to become awake to where you're at, because a girl going out on a date who is oblivious to what her intuition is, who is oblivious to boundary issues, is going to possibly make some dangerous choices. And the yeah. same with a guy. Um, yeah. When you learn about your own needs and your own boundaries and the way you're thinking and you can expand on that, even not, we're not even talking about changing completely, but just opening the door to a different way of thinking. 
Um, and to learn what love is and what love isn't, I think is a sure. very valuable thing too. Beautiful. And finally, can we get people to reverse course and stop their negative cycles before they end up with mental health issues in yes. your experience? Yes, yes, and yes, definitely. Um, listen, I, I mentioned my own story and I continue to notice and, and uh, thank God I have a husband who supports me here 100%. In fact, he's the opposite of me. So if we talk about opposites attract and I value so much and want to learn from him all the time and I have learned negative patterns get me nowhere fast in fact they make me go backwards so becoming aware of those things we absolutely again consciousness has to come first you cannot reverse anything and it's not about reversing because i'm all about the past is important to understand so that we can see why we're at where we're at and the patterns that we've run till now but in order to create new patterns so it's not about reversing because you're not going to change the past it's about forgiveness for the past Mm -hmm. And making a choice from here, moving mm -hmm. forward. Mm -hmm. It's about consciousness. And may I just bring a, a, a model of Viktor Frankl, someone yes. well known. Beautiful. Right. So he talks about where does choice live? We talk about free choice. And he brings a model of events happen, things happen in the world that are out of our control. Whether it's what your child has done, what your husband has done, if there's a tsunami, whatever it is. And then there's a period of time that could be from one second, it could be from 10 days, it could be however long, and your reaction to that event. Yes. It's in that space between the event happening and your response to it, that choice lives. So I'll give a very quick example. Your child has triggered you, has done the very thing that makes you snap and you quickly um, answer back in a, in a tough fashion and you punish them, let's just say, right? When you become conscious and you create space, so you were aware that you get triggered by this child doing this thing and you go, right, I'm now aware that something's going on and I get a, re a re reaction, a knee-jerk reaction. I don't like that. I want to change that. I'm going to give myself a little bit more space from when they do that thing to how I um, answer back. And that is called a response, not a reaction. It's not a knee jerk, it's you've created more space. It could be one minute instead of five seconds, or it could be, I need to go to my room to breathe a little bit, calm down and then come back with a response that I think is healthy for both of us. And that is creating more space so that you have choice in that little gap between the event, whether it's a child, a parent, a friend, whatever it is, and your response. So I think- That's beautiful, very powerful stuff. Yeah, and very practical. Thank you. Darcy, it's been such a wonderful afternoon talking with you. Is there any other points that you wanted to mention um, or is there a way people can reach you if they wanted to reach out to you? That's, um, thank you very, very much, Jenny, for doing such an amazing job. May I share a quote I recently read? Sure. It's from a lady called Marianne Williamson in her book, A Return to Love. She writes, we often must become painfully aware of the unworkability of a pattern before we're willing to give it up. It takes courage, and this is often yes. the path of the spiritual warrior. That's to amazing. To endure the sharp pains of self-discovery rather than choose to take the dull pain of unconsciousness that would last the rest of our lives. We have to look the ego straight in the eye before we have the power to relinquish it. And I just, it resonated beautifully. Absolutely. Thank Absolutely. Thank you so much, Darcy. It's been a pleasure and an honor, and I hope that we can do this again sometime. And Hashem should give you success in all your endeavors. And thank you for sharing so openly 
Um, and I, I think that you've really taught us of many, many, many different avenues and channels that we can try when struggling with an issue rather than going to the same old, same old, right? So thank you for that. And um, we look forward to hearing part two. Thank you and call for all the work. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Bye-bye.